This episode of Getting Juicy is brought to you by the Fart Counter app. Actually? The Fart Counter app counts your farts as you sleep. Oh my god, I must have had a thousand or so overnight. You can compete against your loved ones. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm totally kidding. Adriano got me with that, though. We were lying in bed, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks back. And he's like, he's like, so have you heard, just just before we go to bed, have you heard of this new app, like the Fart Counter app? And I was like half, I, I just was finished reading and I was like going to go to sleep. I said, what? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, it counts your farts while you sleep. Like it sees, it like tells how gassy you are during the night. And I was like, whoa, like they're really getting quite sophisticated now. And um, it wasn't true. (laughs) I I, would have believed it for sure. Me too. When it comes to just the fact of sleeping as well. I mean, there's so many devices and technology now that count so many different... uh, metrics of your rest so i mean your gas is inflammation so yeah why not why wouldn't i count your inflammation your inflammation i just had the weirdest deja vu moment maybe i actually mentioned this in a previous podcast episode i'm not sure but i unless i dreamt that i told you about it anyway weird weird so deja- funny well it's so funny well i think i think definitely my farts have won overnight for sure it's a it's a pretty good competition between Adriano and I. Depends on <clears throat> we both have like weird gut stuff sometimes, so it just it depends. But like what I said to you last night, mm-hmm. since we stopped eating at like seven o'clock or so, our sleeps are a bit better. Okay, yeah, it's been a bit stressful lately, but in all, like the sleep sleeps have been better because you're not digesting while. Yeah or as you're, you know, because I, like I said, I would have, you know, before I go to bed, like a bowl of cereal or like I had to yeah. have something just before I went to bed, which is yeah. good. So anyway, since then, it's been a very um, <laughs> clean air environment in the bedroom overnight because I never mind. I was going to go into way too much detail. That's so funny. Well, no, because you're not farting at night and stuff. You're not digesting anything, as you said, as well. So there you go. And I'm sorry, like maybe TMI, but you know, like waking each other up because of a smell, like it's, it's not nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's so, you know, they have earplugs, they have, you know, they have nose plugs. There are as many ways to um, evolve (laughs) beyond just waking up and slapping your partner because they did something that didn't mean to do because they were in mid sleep. Yeah. Or just stop eating at seven o'clock anyway. God, I definitely cannot do that. Not right now. But I know it is healthy for sure. So this is how you do your hair in the morning. You kind of like just push up your hair. And this is how I do my hair in the morning. (laughs) Hey, it works. It works for both of us. Well, it definitely works for you. Oh, I don't know. I got to do it. Well, you know, eventually my my hair is starting to to bald. So eventually, you know, and. 15 years or 10 years I'm gonna be I'll be bald so or you just have one curl like from the top of your head you can do what I do just curl around your finger and just straight down the center of your forehead exactly or I can get a lace front I can get a lace front what's oh what's that that's a lace front weave oh okay interesting yeah Yeah. I know a family member that actually got um was it plugs or like they like oh yeah the whole surgery done on to have hair again <laughs> oh really wow yeah yeah um, i could I'm, just you know rub i don't know stem cells or whatever over my skull and maybe you know that'll help generate the original hair follicles maybe i don't know you never know never know <laughs> anyway, God, have you have you been up for a while <laughs> why does it seem like it <laughs> i have no clue i just got up no, I've been I've been up since uh, for like an an hour and a half, maybe. How do you do that? <laughs> I go to bed really early, though. Yeah, early, earlier than you. Like I have to. It's it's interesting. I don't know if anyone else can um, can uh, also understand what I'm about to say, but like you used to living when I was in Vancouver. Okay, it's not a massive city, but it's the biggest city in British Columbia, and it's one of the bigger cities in Canada. And when I lived there, um, maybe it was just the um, stimulation and whatever 
going on, but I could never fall asleep before midnight. Mm-hmm. Never. And then moving to a smaller town, maybe there was, it was just quieter. There's like less, less, uh, well, I'm going to use that word again, but stimulation. There was like, you know, we didn't feel like we were always on edge and like kind mm. of competing against the rat race and all that stuff. And there's just something different going on in the brain. It was a little, little calmer in that sense that now I can't stay awake past like 1030. Mm. So it's just, it's so different. And my, and my routine, as soon as we moved here, now I go to bed, like I, I go to bed by like 1030 and I wake up by before, just before eight o'clock. Whereas that wow. was not my thing in Vancouver. So you make a point though. If I still lived in Vancouver, it, it would probably be different. I think. Well, uh, and also everyone around you, if the energy of the space has completely died down by that point too, then automatically you're going to feel that and you're going to pick up on that frequency. Yeah. Or maybe it's just getting older. I don't know. I know, I, know. I know Sydney's a bit, a little bit older than you. What, what are his yeah. habits? Um, similar to mine, I guess, because of the fact that we live together. Yeah, fair. Well, he I should. Ten, he yeah. he tends to fade a little bit before me, but not much, not much before me. Sometimes I'm actually more conked out at eleven at night or at midnight, and you know he might need another half an hour or hour to calm down. But our sleep cycles seem to be pretty similar so far, at least. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 It helps for sure. You're wearing a different shirt. I am. Yes. I'm wearing a shirt from the beautiful people at Warrior Addict in the UK who are a uh, men's oriented yoga clothing performance Mm -hmm. brand, plant-based and very environmentally conscious and uh they focus on mental health actually oh um, for men and yoga as the engine behind it so i'm one of their brand warriors which is really awesome cool it's funny because i did not mean that to be like a plug but i like the no, way i know you didn't it was a good segue anyway so mm-hmm. totally <laughs> funny totally yeah. gotta gotta create meaningful relationships with your community and oh absolutely establish uh platforms to help amplify your voice that you want to help create make difference so if you can find anything that works for you um that i recommend that anyone listening that's a really good segue actually to something that we were going to talk about today right it is absolutely we were going to talk about pride yeah Um, and we i know that there's many different kind of elements and topics that go into that of course but i think that what me and rachel want to hone in on as I'm a member of the queer community and Rachel is a strong ally and very strong um, support for me for sure. And for anyone else in her life, including our friend, Ashley, who we've had on the show, Dr. Ashley McKinnis, who is part of the trans community. Uh, It's really nice to be able to talk about certain subjects that are meaningful, um, that have an impact that we can touch base on. So I'm excited to share that. Yeah, absolutely. And there was, and I guess like, um, well, maybe just, maybe to start the conversation right off the bat with what you were just mentioning about brand, brands work, brands working with um, certain movements or certain um, organizations or, or, and real, well, really mostly movements these days. So like mental health and like thing and, and LGBTQ plus and all those kinds of things. Um, and, and, and what is their intention behind yes. working with these organizations, with these movements? Um, is mm-hmm. it a positive intention? Is it still have to do with, um, you know, um, awareness for themselves? I mean, I mean, you, you can't help, but no, it's still a business what they're doing. They're still trying to get, um, you know, followers and, and people purchasing and buying their products and all those kinds of things. So, you know, yep, exactly how, I don't know, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Because we actually had um, a previous guest on Brock mm-hmm. uh, who was, or is a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And I want to, okay, actually, this is something, this is a bit of a segue or not a segue. It's a bit of an offshoot of what I was just saying. Yeah. yeah. I want to say this correctly. And I want to educate myself. I always say LGBTQ plus, but mm-hmm. I know there's LGBTQ. 
so yeah that and then usually it's it, it changes as more um groups identify themselves as such but of course um, and i and i know i'm not going to get the right order even i because it keeps changing but lgbtq um 2s which is uh two-spirited and then qia is what i think about so queer intersex asexual some people put another q in there which means questioning so questioning your sexuality people that don't necessarily identify but aren't sure what they identify as um but if you really wanted to add more you you could but i would say that if you were to look at and i could be wrong again if you looked at a website you looked at an organization i think it would be politically correct or socially um just if you had lgbtq um 2s uh, IA or QQIA. That's kind of how I would look at it right now. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to just make that point because I, I want, I want to get it correct. And I want, you know, listeners or people to understand, um, you know, what the reason is behind that. And also just edu more education. It's always, yes. it's always education. And like you said, yeah. So LGBTQ to SIA plus. Mm-hmm to be and then there's yeah anyway so yeah. sorry and then back, back to what we were talking about i just wanted to clarify and um mm -hmm. yeah so i know brock um was a pro hockey player in the men's men's league and he was talking a lot about you know being uh either brand ambassadors in the in major sports major league sports mm -hmm. and also uh, specifically major league, league sports or, or companies that are um, investing in players, uh, brands that want to bring awareness to certain organizations and movements and how he was always really weary about just what their intention was behind it. And if, and if they're doing enough, actually, hmm. when they just, they just kind of like plaster the, the flag on their branding and, and those kinds of things. So, right. Well, I, so yeah, so based on that as well, I find that, again, I don't know the history, I don't know the studying, I don't know the research on all these different brands that, um, and their initiatives or what their causes are, what they might do year round. But when it comes to June, for sure, and in our city, at least because of marketing and scheduling and ensuring that people can go across the provinces and what whatnot to get to pride in Canada, um, or even West Coast, North America, like our pride happens to fall quite late, kind of like the first weekend of August. And then with pride events that in traditional times, meaning non COVID times, events start mid to late June and go all the way to early September with the bulk of them being in the middle of the summer. So you have, you know, the Vancouver Pride Society and community. So they do a lot of those events and there are other sponsors, but there are other products and brands or even like corporations that will change their emblem, their logo to a rainbow style, but then they'll change it back once pride has finished, which I, I mean, I understand. I do understand that because there's a, mm -hmm. sense of, there's a timeliness to it. But what I also find interesting is without knowing the background or the interest of what other than to generate funding for causes for some companies that are doing it um, to, to appear inclusive, to appear like they are really non-judgmental or that they, whatever. I do wonder like how many of these companies actually are doing things for th that group of people and communities year round. Um, not just in a time of the year that might spotlight a, um, a group of people, but are these companies doing things in ethics, in morals, in, in their business practices, as well as the people that might be inclusive of their corporate culture, perhaps, or even their frontline? Are they part of the, the LGBTQ, um, 2S, QQIA plus community. Are they part of that? And are they heard? Are they recognized? Are they listened to? And I would, I would assume so, right? I'm saying this very much hypothetically, but you do wonder though, because you, you sometimes will hear things where you see something, but when you learn about whatever it is that maybe that's not exactly how they are on the inside. 
there's a public image of it, but are they actually practicing those, um, those uh, social, yeah, are they practicing those social ethics of inclusivity and diversity and education? Um, not just across people identify of different sexuality, but people of gender and people mm -hmm. of race, people of color, people of religion, people of creed. You know, these are, it opens up a whole thing for me that I identify pride to be as, um, and it's great if it is for some people, but like, it's not, I don't identify it as me removing my clothing and liberating in the streets. Like for me, that's, it's never been that way for me. I mean, yes, I did it when I was 17, but it's not that way for me now being almost 30. Yeah. And I always, um, you know, every pride, I usually put up some kind of mention on uh, social media saying like pride is about, you know, honoring those that made way for our generations that came after to have the privileges of freedom and self-expression and loving who we choose to love without any um, risk or repercussion of ignorance or hatred from other people. And yeah. that's, a, and our ancestors and not just in our community, in many different communities, but that community specifically, um, they fought for that. They fought for that very hard and they sure. risked their livelihood and their safety to be heard and accepted and tolerated. And depending on where we are in the world right now, those elements, those concepts are still reality. People are not even able to fight in some ways without potentially being killed or being threatened or being turned on by their families or their neighborhoods or their social. I mean, like it goes on and on and on. So it's a, it's a rabbit hole, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think it depends on, like you said, it depends on where you live because um, what I was familiar with at, with Pride Parade in Vancouver was, yes, what you just said, like a lot of people, which is great expressing themselves, but there was a lot of like nudity and like, let's just, you know, and, and of people parade goers. So, you know, those yes. of all kinds of, uh, which is, which is also great, but I went to a Pride Parade once, uh, oh my gosh, I want to say six, six or seven years ago, maybe now in Seattle. And I just happened to be there that weekend that it was, it, the big parade was happening. And so we decided to go. And what I found so interesting was the, was how, what the different vibes. So for them at that point, it was still much more political and it was still much, even what you're saying, like still fighting for rights. And, and it was um, a bit slightly more subdued, but more just more strong in those political views and this and even the signage and what people were standing up for and like um it was quite emotional in that respect but I think that maybe and I could be wrong because I'm not completely emerged in the community so correct me if I'm wrong but I think in Canada especially in Vancouver um we are we're one of the more open and accepting and inclusive perhaps more major cities so there's a huge huge difference there you know as to uh the intention behind some of these celebrations and and maybe the intentions behind companies that get behind mm -hmm. some of these things right well yeah and again you, put, you make a point in terms of companies being regional or uh, national or international um depending on who's in charge of those community departments or those um, regional marketing for those kinds of uh, demographics based on their the region that they're managing, right? And so I remember being in the Pride Parade or trying to be in the Pride Parade when I was a teenager and I didn't have an, and you need to have like a float, you need to have be associated with a business, you need to have a name on a list. And I remember that, you know, the first year that I did the Pride Parade, I was affiliated with my youth group. So I was able to go, it wasn't like I wasn't permitted in the parade. And then I remember, um, I know I said this on an earlier episode quite a while ago, but I remember being in, uh, it was at Thurlow and Davy, And I remember, no, Rob. Robson and Thurlow, sorry, Robson and Thurlow. And because everyone starts their floats around Robson Street and Burrard and then it goes up down there to Denman and turns down to the beach. But I remember that I was trying to kind of blend in with an, with Royal Bank Company. They had a, 
not a float. They had a banner that like, you know, eight of their people there were holding and they were marching. And so I kind of hid behind them. And then when the parade was supposed to start and whoever was monitoring them was taking a head count and they looked at me and they said, who are you? And I said, I'm so-and-so. And I was very like, you know, chest out exerting dominance and i was like i'm so and so i have a right to march in the parade and i'm like i'm 18 years i'm 17 years old blah 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 and i don't have any affiliation but i i am permitted to be part of my community and so forth she says nope get out you're not welcome here get out you're not part of our float get out what oh seriously like, like in a very that sounds like that sounds of in a very rude way it was very rude she was very rude, like, nope, I gotta keep everything online here. I've got i got a lot of things to do. I don't have time to deal with bullshit. Like, get out, you're not welcome. You know, I don't have time for you. Um, and I and I and I stood up a little bit and she's like, No, get out, you're not welcome here. You're not permitted to march. And uh, please, please, please leave our our section. And I remember being completely I know I can look back and I can understand where they were coming from. I, I can understand all the technicalities behind it and whether it was about like, hey, like you're not liable. We can't, we're not we're responsible for you if something happened. Like I'm sure there's many things, but as a teenager, you're not thinking about any of that. You're thinking, how dare does this person, who do they have the right to deny me the freedom to express and support who I am? And in an event that's actually for my kind of demographic when they're probably all assumingly probably and even more so if they were part of the queer community and identified as such that they wouldn't be inclusive of someone that's younger than them who is part of that next generation like as an ally so it was so that's when i really realized okay it really like the light switch for me to think okay pride is really not all it's cracked up to be and it's really not a celebratory event for everybody, but an opportunity for corporations to basically say, we're allies of your of your people, but we really just want their money because this is an opportunity for them to see that they have a place they feel they belong and they call home. Yeah. And, and I've yeah. never forgotten that. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Like it's, but even, even to be, um, you know, to communicate with someone in a human way that was, that wasn't even, uh, the way that they communicated with you it doesn't even it doesn't matter who you are mm -hmm. where you you know anyway mm -hmm. that's really unfortunate and that's um yeah and I guess like that is where depending on where you are in the world maybe that's what pride has started to become it's more mm -hmm. of this you know hey look at me I I do support you know x y and z so um I'm a good company or I'm yeah. like or like support mental health and like we have it's almost like a, well we have to support these things because they're I, mean, I don't and that's like that's a real real big extreme I don't believe that I would hope that the majority of businesses are not like that um I would hope not and I want to and I'm also I'm not the right person I can flat out say I'm not the right person to make assumption or even um thoughtful evaluation of what companies are doing. I have no right to with that and I don't have any knowledge behind it, but I can certainly share from the few experiences that I've had as a, as a spectator and as a participant mm -hmm. in certain queer events or in terms of understanding what I'm seeing in messaging or the messaging through social media or even in person, like print marketing, signage, um, graphic design in terms of like what companies are trying to portray. It's something that I feel I don't understand. I can't fully wrap my mind around what the intention behind it is outside of, you know, selfish capital gain. Do you think after, after so many years, certain things that really meant something and, you know, as, as time goes by, they kind of lose that, initial real meaning or the the feeling that came about to actually stand up for something and to to have these I mean at first I don't even think it was like a necessarily like a a freedom happy celebration because there was so much um animosity and so much so much angst against the community that it was more it was it was a frightening thing at that time to stand up for yourself. Now it's just like, 
it's it's well, especially where we live. I mean, I should just I just point out it again because, like I said, when the difference between going to Pride in Canada and Vancouver, and I know Seattle is so close to us, and it's not it's still not like some of the other places in the world, but just the the, the differences that I felt between one celebration and parade to the other, where people were still fighting for certain rights or certain uh, laws yeah. passed yeah. at that point was yeah. a, is a big difference. It is a big difference, but you know what I remember that was interesting is in 2017, when I was in Europe, um, completely by chance, I was in Edinburgh and in the few days I was in Edinburgh, I actually was there for Edinburgh Pride. So I actually saw in Scotland, like I was able to see a major city in Scotland, see how they how they celebrated it and how genuine and pure and how communal it was. It was a smaller city for one. It was a different part of the world. But to see so many people in union and in celebration and in true pride, it was so refreshing to see that in a smaller community, in a foreign country and city compared to where I'm from. So I got to see the parade. I got to see the daily events of the town and what businesses were doing what. I was able to see at night kind of like people going to events. And that was really cool. And then I also had the privilege of seeing the London and Barcelona. So I didn't see anything really there aside like marketing and stuff. And again, like pride's pride theme. But when I went to San Sebastian in Basque in the coast, I somehow stumbled upon their pride parade as well. And their pride parade was no less than 200 people marching through the streets with flags and cheering and signs that in Spanish or French that I couldn't read. But it was just so interesting that how divine and timing for me to be able to witness pride in two cities that are very much on the smaller end, especially San Sebastian. It's a, it's a coast town basically. And to see that, you know, and and I, I took videos of it too. I have them somewhere on my phone. Did it Um, more like raw and more um, like less flashy probably. Completely. There was no corporate floats. There was no um, like spectator booths. There was no like tents and shit. It was just people, people trying their best to be representing who they are and standing up for what they believe is right. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it was, and that's how it. That's how it started too in Vancouver. It was, I I don't remember the year, but it was started in the West End. It was it lasted for one block. It was from a group of activists and people that, and they called it like the Human Rights Equality March or something like that, or Gay Rights Equality March, and that was the start of our pride in Vancouver, and it grew longer and longer and longer, and eventually from there it developed into what it is today absolutely yeah you know, you know it's just this is making me think of and it's 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 a little bit of um switching gears slightly but mm-hmm. just thinking about words and terminology uh, ideas and things that tend to lose their meaning after time become popular and then the real like importance behind them and people that actually suffer from or are um uh child or you know find them find these things challenging in their lives it kind of loses their meaning it's not as and it's not as important anymore so for example i was talking to adriano about the word trauma and how trauma like they're like um and ptsd and even mental health and like certain words have become like i mean i hate to use that this terminology buzzwords they become these Uh kind of you know, um, and for uh, like, they kind of almost, because everyone seems to be using them these days, mm-hmm. especially trauma and like everyone's had trauma in their life, like it just to varying degrees. And I understand that, but the, the real um, seriousness maybe of it for some people, it, it tends to kind of soften it and, and it's lose. I just feel like it's almost losing its meaning, like certain words, even in social media. And it's kind of like, even for myself, like when I talk about anxiety or, or those types of things somewhere deep inside of me is like oh well you're Rachel like it's just yeah you're just another person that experiences it because everyone's talking about it now which is great don't get me wrong like there's such a yeah. now I'm like backtracking because I, I want people to talk about it that's not what I know for sure 
no but in terms of its importance it's like the more that something is um how do you say it the more that something is saturated and um broadcasted then it starts to feel a little bit more mainstream instead of it being something that might draw people's attention that's targeted to those that might also be in a similar situation yes and is it just becoming popular without with losing its meaning just because people know that it's like um something that again people are really talking about right now and it's, it's a hot topic so to speak yeah so, um or again what's what's someone's intention behind it is because it's it's a hot topic right now so it's like we i gotta talk about it and find something that yeah. i in my life that is has been traumatic so that i can be i can get the followers and be popular right. on right social media because that's what's hot right now and then and then it starts to lose the real essence behind it and the real importance behind talking about it so there's such a fine because like i said like i'm glad that it's don't and i still post about it like don't get me wrong i just um yeah like when when does it become too much and then it uh, like like you almost it's almost like you just accept it and not get stronger and move forward right yeah no you're right i don't know yeah no you're no i hear what you're saying though a lot of people come and talk about you know i've been through this i've been through that and it becomes really saturated with a lot of similar um info and dialogue from a lot of different sources and so what i find interesting is that when you talk about trauma it's one of those things that is so personal to so many people. Mm-hmm. So what one person's trauma could be may be different from someone else's. And then what I also wonder about, and again, I write about this a lot on my social media. Um, and I think about when I'm writing and sharing and oversharing information, you know, I do think about the people that might read it and the judgments that might come from those people or the, the misinterpretations that might come from those people, though that's really their concern, not my concern, because I'm just being truthful and opening about what I want to share and, and expose to the public. But yeah. these things come up, though. They do. And I agree. I'm glad people are talking about it more. But I hope people understand that when they are talking about these things, that it's not lighthearted. It's something that you need to understand that you are exposing something that you need to be really clear in how you're saying it and be very in- mm-hmm. intentional about why you're sharing that information. Yeah. No matter how open or how uncensored it is, people can understand an intention. If, even if they don't know they are and understanding it, they, people pick up on intention for, from writing. And I think that just kind of goes back to also what we talked about, excuse me, in a previous, oh, just got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> you got I, a fart in your throat? Not a fart in my throat. <clears throat> <laughs> he just walked by, he's like, what the heck are you guys talking about? Um, <laughs> no, it, I, well, we talked about another episode about um, selling things like, uh, I don't know. If, like, can you read my my mind, hero? Selling things like mindfulness or those types of mm. things. Mindfulness as sexiness. Yeah, like those, and I think that's also what I mean about losing the meaning and and you know trying to talk about something that is quite serious to a lot of people and kind of making light of it and making how how do you, but again it's like it's a business. Well, how do you sell that? How do you get that in front of people's you know? eyes it's by making it a bit flashier so that people get gets their attention which on one side i get because then that topic becomes something that people actually are something that's important that people are actually paying attention to so that's great or awareness the better Mm -hmm. that's true oh yeah right but also i think about again it's not the same of um comparison but one thing i do think about is how people can view because it is but people can utilize trauma as a source of vulnerability and i think that's something that and that just came out of thin air that literally just came into my brain i'm like huh you know so people can use their traumas or spotlight their stories and things they've been through as a way of which they are expressing vulnerability as a way to connect other people to generate um empathy and compassion uh, 
You know, it's funny when you said that, because that's a positive thing, right? It is a positive thing. It's funny when you said that, what something else I thought about was using it as playing the victim to get more. Well, and that's what I was actually getting at. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So we're on the same page. Yeah. Right. So once I, and like, and, and that, that's not healthy. So no, you're feeding your own misery. But that's what, but social media is about attention. And it is, I know. it's, that's why it's so hard to be vulnerable and to, and to, to quote unquote, sell mental health on mm -hmm. social media platforms. It's, it's so difficult because someone, and I'll be totally transparent when I do on my personal channel, talk about, you know, certain challenges that maybe I've been facing on a, on a daily basis or something like that. And I see, and I'm like, Oh great. Like, you know, this many people have liked it. It makes me feel good. I know. <laughs> so it's, that's yeah. it's just, it's, Oh, it's so, but I'm, but I'm glad that we can talk about these things and that's what's better than being completely blind, blinded by it. And going down that rabbit hole, like you said, of, um, mm you know, of, of playing into that victim mentality and then getting attention for it. Yeah. <sighs> well, I remember putting up something about my body weight and my dysmorphia like a few months ago and just seeing the attention that I received. And that wasn't the point, but seeing the attention it received more than anything that I had posted in quite a, a long time. And I was just thinking, holy shit right? You know, the, the impact it can have on people and the impact it can potentially have for people to realize to look at the body in a way that normally they might not think the body is perceived to be as. But even still, though, the attention that it received, it shocked me and I was got into the idea of like, oh, how many more people saw it? How many more people did that are in my network that might be acknowledging that it's something that it, that it meant something to them, right? And then you start to get into that very fine line of are you feeding your own ego or are you trying to make a point behind what you're saying? And that's always going to be a sliding scale for anybody who uses social media and that is trying to utilize their, uh, their voice to amplify discussion and um, shift in how people think and operate with their lives. And it's not no, and there's always going to be a bit of both because, you know, as, as humans, we, we are social creatures and we do crave that attention from, well, a lot of the time it's from a partner. It has been for, you know, centuries about like that one partner, but now it's about society and it's about, you know, fitting in and that will end about, and then back to inclusivity. Yeah. You no. Know? And that's, and um, I think, I do think everyone, everybody deserves that, but yeah, I mean, it's, Oh, I have, I mean, every day I have like questions about social media and like how, and that's, this is another buzzword, toxic, how toxic, mm -hmm. toxic it can be. Yeah. Uh, it's just about like, it's, it's, uh, it's almost like being, cause you're, you are spotlighting yourself. It's almost like being an actor or something like that. You're on camera, so to speak, you're putting yourself out there. It's about staying humble and about, um, staying grounded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Social media is, is become like everybody's personal way of becoming a star. Well, yeah, it's your own brand and something you have control over doing. Yeah. It's a game that you can start whenever you want. You can dictate and impact the reaction of the audience. If you know how to continue to grow an algorithm and a brand or an exposure, you have the ability to do that. So it just brings such a dialogue to anybody at any age. You could have a seven-year-old that has millions of followers and they're making tons of money just based off of stuff that they don't even know what the hell money is yet. I mean, it, it's never ending. And actually, this is interesting. I had a friend tell me um, that they have stopped following people who on their own personal channels have started to plug their, their businesses or market uh -huh. things because because they're trying to stay grassroots with social media as a platform for connecting with friends and, you know, people in society and just talking about their own lives. And they just, they're, they're only, you know, as soon as they're friends who they are, you know, very, 
involved within their lives. As soon as they start to talk about, you know, marketing of something, then they stop following them. And if they'll, they'll follow their business maybe, but as soon as they personally start to do that. And that was just interesting because I'm like, well, but on the flip side, it's like my, my business and what I'm marketing, especially when it comes to a podcast, because our podcast is okay. And in a sense, I guess it's, it is business, but it is very personal and it is my life. So that's where, you know, I think a lot of us these days are having just because of social media, I, I do think of social media as a marketing platform though, as well. It is so it is so. And if you want to have social media as a non-marketing platform, then that's great. But at the same point in time, use a platform that might be less corporate and less established. And that might be more grassroots, which these, in, these uh, engines were initially until they were sold out for billions of dollars. So there will always be some new platform coming to try and combat what those elements are that you're, that the person you're referring to was, um, you know, talking about it. And that's okay. That's totally fine. I definitely, it's one reason why I stopped using Facebook because even though Instagram now is under the same family of, of platforms, I still find it's easier to skip over Instagram advertisements and feeds and stuff, for whatever reason, more than Facebook. I find Facebook, it's like you see so much advertisement now, you see so much paid sponsorship and you do on Instagram too. But on Facebook, I find it was so overwhelming. Yeah. There's so much stimulation that was happening on Facebook. And I was just like, I don't want all this in my face anymore. So getting rid of Facebook for me was really a positive thing. But like, just like anything really like, <laughs> and this is it kind of, this is the whole theme really of going back to the intention to begin with of anything and then how it evolves and how it ends up losing that initial grassroots intention and I think, and that's the same with social media. Like it was intended for as a way for people to connect mm-hmm. as friends, mostly, especially with Facebook. Um, yep. And, and you know what, at any platform that comes out, I, I hate to say, but like, I don't, I don't really see any platform staying as a grassroots type thing. It's all, there always will be marketing involved in some sense. There always will be. It is. And that goes even to, which I have not, i been in a relationship for so long now but like um dating apps i mean mm-hmm. so for example like and i don't know i don't know what kind of marketing happens on dating apps and that's not really my point i guess it's more like initially what they start off as is like um maybe like hookups and then because of the human the way humans are just wanting that that deeper connection like um not grinder what the heck is the other one tinder like tinder like it was kind of like this hookup app and then as soon as you you realize people will okay that's that make that's okay for now but eventually it turned into like a bit more of a serious it's a more of a serious thing app right and i know friends i'm married after meeting them their partners on tinder now where when it first came out when it first came out like you probably never would have it was weird to think of that perhaps i don't know no, I agree with you. And because Tinder was born out of Grindr um, for the hetero community initially, yeah. one thing that I noticed, although we the gay community has lots of different dating apps and even targeted to their own so-called niche or tribe, you know, there's one for bears, you know, people that identify as more burly or husky or not as much in the community. There are apps for, you know, and it, my point is that there's always something new and, and developed. But the ones that I know of that people are using a lot are Grinder, Scruff. Um, Scruff? What's Scruff? So Scruff is what I was basically just describing. It's basically like Grinder, but primarily for people that are in the bear community um, that identify with that kind of those kinds of people, those kinds of interests, those kinds of hobbies. And um <clears throat> And that, yeah, but it, it can be used for hooking up. It can be used for dating. It can be used for matching. It's it's mm-hmm. a full platform that I have used, even though I don't necessarily identify as part of the bear community. I didn't really know what community I identified with. So I wanted to have the connection to whatever was out there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the I find, and they could be changing all the time, but I find that Grinder, like I met my last partner off of you know, me and him dated for just over a year. And that was really great. 
Um, but I find Grinder is definitely for hookups for sure and unsolicited um, photo sharing and things <laughs> like that because you don't have any privacy in that way. And it's kind of funny to see how desperate people are to showcase their body to you um, mm. or parts of their body to you and you didn't even ask for it. And really? All the time. All the time. And it's it's kind of brilliant because you're not asking for anything and you're receiving tons. And it's like, holy crap, like a whole gallery that you can be saved on your phone and people don't even know what the hell that they're sending you. Like it's very important information that people are sending you that they're just giving to you. <clears throat> but I find that Tinder, once it became more flooded with a balanced population, not just a heterosexual population, I found that on Tinder that a lot of queer men use it for sure to hook up. But I find because we have more platforms, I guess is a good way of putting it. Like if you had Grinder for straight people, I'm sorry, hell would break loose. But if you have, but that's why Tinder is more like you have to match with someone. Um, you have to have some kind of photograph up. You have to have some kind of bio. There's a little bit more traditional like information required. And Grinder, you can just have barely anything and just not even a photograph and just send shit you know you could spam and get blocked of course but like you can send stuff i find tinder for queer people has a higher likelihood of it being more serious sometimes or the people that think that they want something more serious because there are other apps that are more casual so grinder so grinder is very casual yeah and tinder is still very casual but has the likelihood of potentially matching with if people are looking for the same thing and they match, there's a higher likelihood of some percentages that they could end up dating or marrying or being in a relationship, even if it doesn't last. Okay. This is a really interesting point you brought up about Grindr because um, I'm, I'm just assuming here that it's more predominantly for gay men. Yes. Okay. So it's not aimed at any I mean, there could be heterosexual men that are hopefully not trying to cause harm to other queer people, but maybe that are in denial or in the closet. And so they're secretly on there identifying as straight, even if they're not. I mean, there's so many scenarios. Right. But is it like, is it open to trans? Is it open to, or is it? Okay. Okay. It is. It is. Yeah. No, Grindr is definitely open to trans men for sure. Um, there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of people that are, let's say I'm openly trans or in transitioning, uh, interested in men, um, or, and they'll say what they're looking for. Cause what you, the point that you, you just said, like, if it was more of a heterosexual app, um, that was like Grindr, imagine the sexual harassment. Yeah. Lawsuits and shit against people. Like, cause basically what you're saying is that anyone could just send you really like dick pics whenever they want. Yep. Yep unsolicited and it's yeah and it's, dick pic, old, old pics whatever yeah and it's okay mm -hmm. why yeah. why is that like that's that's like to it doesn't matter what what you identify as or that that could be seen as sexual harassment so oh for sure it was like on an app where it was heterosexual like a male um you know unsolicited doing that to uh, a natal female uh, woman that would be like <laughs> yeah how society, yeah. How, how society works that way i don't even i don't mm -hmm. want an answer it's more just like a uh interesting like food for thought yep we still live in that well that just yeah i mean it's interesting well That's i'm just gonna say it like no matter how chivalrous genuine or um, proper men or male identifying people might be, let's just say for the base, sake of it, cisgendered men that are more primal. Men are pigs and we are sexual beings as women are too, but so differently wired from what my experience has been. Not that I've dated women, I should clarify that. But the psychology of what men identify as sex is such a primal mechanism. Um, for women, it's more mating and wanting to have that family that sense of like partner providing and for men there is that part too but i find in men there can also be a separate kind of part of their brain that isn't as evolved where it's literally i want to fuck like i want to get laid yeah plant my seed in something and i don't care what it is how it's done it needs to happen now 
at my choice at my on my time on my schedule yeah and so i find that the women can definitely and do definitely have the same biological responses and want the same craving and women in my life that have had zero or overly even more than me i do find when it comes to the whole concept of a socialized dating app on your phone and you look about instant gratification men i think are much more willing to participate and engage in such acts of connection and exchange on a moment's notice and not have anything other than the primal desire to get off and so that's where Grinder, as one main app and of many apps, um, has been very successful in making it also safer in some ways. Not necessarily safer, but in some ways safer for men to discreetly communicate to each other and connect with another without the potential harm of being abused, harassed, or or um, even killed in a public setting like a club or an alleyway or something where it it, it does happen still today. And I'm sure it happened a lot more in the past. So in some ways, these apps are actually creating a safety net for communities that are at risk of being um, physically harmed or um, hurt, attacked or judged or discriminated against. So there is also kind of a positive um, note to say with these platforms that people have created to create inclusivity and safety, but then more distance, less social interaction and potentially less social skills. Because you yeah. find a persona on a screen instead of being in person one-to-one and you see them regardless of what state they're in. You don't see them in person, especially during COVID. You, you don't see them in person usually. It's through yeah. a camera or you take a risk and you go on a date with someone and you focus on that one person and hope it works out. Right? Yeah. There's I, so much to unpack there. T- oh my God, for sure. My brain just was firing in all cylinders, like thinking about all these different things. I mean, I think at the the crux of it, it was more just the observation of really just uh, biologically. And when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it, the real differences between, uh, I always, I don't want to say the the wrong words, but like, uh, right. I guess like a, like a natal, could you say that natal male and a natal female? Yeah. But then the real yeah. there, um, Actually, and that just brings up, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast with uh, one of Joe Rogan's podcasts with a woman who teaches, um, oh, well, she teaches sexual, uh, like gender and sexuality courses at Harvard University. And she does a okay. lot of and things like that. And she was just talking about how she actually hates, she hates the word cisgender. Mm-hmm. She prefer to use like, n- you know, natal, this natal that and i wonder i don't really know exactly what that is or where where did where does cisgender where did that terminology come from i'm not sure i haven't studied i haven't researched or studied it (laughs) just because you said you said it's just something i just listened to recently Mm -hmm. i don't even know where cisgender yeah i was just trying to figure out like where what the the basis of that word is but i can't seem to find it quickly right 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 latin uh, of course of course it's latin on the side of okay right oh it's okay so it essentially just means on the side of so you can say cisgender female cisgender male on the side of that mm-hmm. but i understand yeah. but that's kind of confusing it so is I- confusing because what does that even mean what does where's the where's the parameter for that term Exactly. So I understand how when you say natal, like this is the birth of a female, like so-called born female. So to say natal this or natal that might be a little bit more specific. I'm not yep. sure. For sure. It could be. Um, <laughs> I love that. I just looked up this. This is Google for you. Okay. And this is not due to because of what I've been searching. I just have to preempt this. When I... <laughs> gender meaning some of the other other things that came up were is tucking dangerous oh wow i i I did not i did not i didn't google that (laughs) oh wow it is after a while i'm not sure uh yeah anyway (laughs) that is funny that's funny (laughs) google well, I can't believe we've been talking about all this stuff for like an hour now. I know, uh, it's amazing. 
Is there anything else you want to add to our conversation before we kind of wrap it up? I think just in terms of any kind of business, I don't, whatever the business is, whatever you're representing, and I take accountability for this as well. Uh, I think it's really important to recognize that whatever you're representing and being an advocate for, that you're doing it year round, you're doing it as a consistent way of living and ethics of your business and your practice. And even if you may be doing it to also be vocal or communicative about it um, and not shoving it in people's faces, but just little acts of service, little acts of communication or acts of whatever it might show to be that if you are representing and supporting something and it's genuine, whether if it's for a month of the year, a day of the year, um, I challenge the, anybody to continue doing the work and to showcasing it through um, whatever initiatives that resonate with their company, their brand identity or their brand mission, their brand vision. Um, and that's coming from a place of just, if you want to make a difference um, year round, you wanna make a difference uh, long-term, that there's more that can you can do more, mm -hmm. right? And even if it's a genuine act of service, continue doing it don't save it for a month of the year or a certain celebration of the year like continue doing it um because it makes a difference and thank you for doing it in the first place but how can you continue doing that and fighting for um the rights of other people well and that just and, and i just want to say too like like you said in the beginning of our conversation how you know i am an ally and i i do feel that way but it's kind of like i also feel like I could be doing more or I, what, what can I do to actually, um, uh, like phys like physically actually do something to be an ally. So it's kind of like with a business, you can, you can say you're an ally, which is the first step. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. But then what else, what else can you do? And I, I'm always thinking about those things and I'm hoping that maybe this platform is a part of, a part of that. And I guess I don't, we don't give ourselves credit for that necessarily because it sometimes feels like we're just talking because, this is genuinely who we are, but I, you know, hopefully it does help somebody out there, but yeah, you know, you, you can, I guess my point is you can say you are something, you can say you stand by mental health or behind, um, you know, certain communities or movements or even black lives matter, like those kinds of things, which is the first step, which is great. Or like the, the kids they found, um, buried in Kamloops in the residential schools in British Columbia. And, you know, right. what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Right. And even like Donovan on our show recently, Mahoney talked about that as well. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the people, maybe the people that it's almost, it's almost like the people that haven't necessarily, when he brought this point up, this is the last thing I'll say is like people that haven't been traumatized. I'll use that word. Cause it truly is whom have been traumatized, like himself, his, his self in his, um, with his, you know, where he's from being, indigenous um it's it's hard sometimes for those people to find the strength to move on. like it's the people that maybe that are more clear-minded that haven't had yeah. that trauma that they're not dealing with that on a day-to-day -day basis that need to help others mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know yep. so sure. um because sometimes when when you're in the thick of it you know it's it's not as sometimes as you, you would think, well, it's the people that, you know, uh, that are actually dealing with it, that those are the people that need to stand up for themselves. But right. Sometimes they can't. Nope. Sometimes they can't at all. Need our help. And so what can mm -hmm. we do? Well, and also, again, it's like people are so tired of fighting, you know, and this is what Nira Aurora said. People, they are, they are so tired of continuously fighting what they need for us to do is to amplify and to give the voice for their voices that are not heard, their voices that they're speaking to be transmitted to those people that actually will listen to us. So that way yes. we'll actually get the recognition that they have worked for that we want them to have without any ulterior motive and without any credit. We're just simply a messenger for some people, for someone that shouldn't need to have a messenger, but unfortunately might need still need that to get heard, to get spotlighted. Yeah. Absolutely. And to quote uh, Nira uh, talking about being a racism interrupter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yep. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. There you um, go. Well, stay, stay strong. 
Make sure to download that Fart Counter app before Please you go. do. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm sponsored by Getting Juicy. <laughs> well, sponsored, getting, getting Juicy sponsored by the Fart, fart Counter app. Download the app. Whoever's out there, maybe you want to create this app. Uh, yeah. You know, make sure you give us credit because we're this is all recorded. So it's our idea. We get the rights to this, you know. We so. definitely do. We do. <laughs> and at FC app. Yeah. okay well all right lots of love everybody good morning thanks for tuning in good morning good afternoon good night thanks for tuning in subscribe love you bye